0: Well, Dan. Good morning, apostles. It's great to be together. Today is uh, an exciting day. Uh, today we get to celebrate baptisms, and so you may have noticed uh, we got some things going on up front uh, that are a little bit different than what we usually have. Uh, and so I'm really excited that we get to celebrate uh, these baptisms today. I love baptism. Uh, it's such a powerful physical um, expression of what God has done, one of some of the things we were just singing about, about God's um, unmerited love for us. Uh, baptism is a physical sign of that. It's a sacrament is what we call it. It's this physical manifestation of a spiritual reality. And so today we're going to baptize. We're going to uh, work out uh, in a physical way this incredible good news of Jesus that we are indeed forgiven, that we are invited into the family of God that we actually have this new identity because we have been reborn, as it were, into this new life with Jesus. And so whether we come as adults or whether we come as children, baptism always points us to this great reality that in Christ we have been changed. We have been transformed. We've been brought into this new life. And so with that in mind, um, what I wanted to do is ask you to consider this question this morning. Uh, do you believe that people can change? Do you really believe that people can change? And I don't want you just to give a, a kind of a, a theoretical or an academic answer to that question. Do you really believe that people can change at the core of who they are, at the deepest part of their identity, that they can actually change? To help us consider this question, I want uh, to give you a couple of things to think through in light of that question. One, I want you to think of the people in your life. Uh, people in your life, maybe someone uh, that's wronged you or hurt you or rejected you. Uh, someone uh, in your life maybe that um, holds a view or an opinion uh, that you find not just wrong but deeply offensive. That you think is, is a hurtful way of thinking about life in the world. Or think about someone in your life that is just really hard for you to be around, right? That person that, um, that it's just it's hard for you to get along with, but maybe even beyond that, someone who's just toxic uh, every time you're with them and, and you just have a hard time even being around that person. And so that might be for you, that might be a, a, a parent. It could be a sibling, someone in your family. It could be a neighbor, it could be a friend. But I want you to, to hold that person in your head as we're asking this question, can people really change? And then I want you to turn that question on yourself this morning. Can I really ever change? Yes, I like the optimism. Can I ever really change? I want us to ask ourselves that question because I think sometimes we can become convinced that we actually Cannot change, right? I think we all struggle with, with, with things in our life that, that frustrate us in this regard that we have, we have bad habits, right? There's something in our life we just can't seem to get a hold of. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's something um, like uh, something's broken in your marriage, right? Or a relationship, an important relationship in your life. And, and, and it's just not, it's not what you want and you can't seem to get it there. Or maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it is, there's some part of you that you long to change. Maybe the very core of who you are that you want to change. And maybe over time you've begun to question, can I ever actually change? So the question is, can people really change? And this morning, I think the Lord has a word of hope for us. Because I think we all struggle with this question. If people can really change, if our lives can actually change, is it possible And I think the Lord wants to encourage us, yes, it is possible for us to change. In fact, with Christ, change is not only possible, but it's what God longs to do out of his great love for us. He longs for us to experience deep change in our lives. And so this morning, I want us to take a few minutes and I want us to consider the life of a man who changed A man named Saul, who we may know better as Paul. But this man, Saul, we encounter him in Acts chapter 9. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up to Acts chapter 9. We've been going through the book of Acts over the last several months. And this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 9. So if you can look at Acts chapter 9. If you need a Bible, there might be one in the seat back in front of you. And then we've also got the scriptures up on the screen. So you can just follow up there. So let's just look at Acts chapter 9. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, you remember we talked about the way, the hodos, this group of people following the way of Jesus. He's looking for men or women who belong to the way, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And Saul. The man Saul that we encounter here is a man that no one, including himself, would have ever imagined or expected change, that this man would ever change. Who is Saul? He's a man of deep conviction. We know that from the book of Acts. He's a Pharisee. He's part of this group devoutly committed to God and keeping the religious law, and he was dead set against Jesus and his followers. To Saul, this man Jesus, he's a dead man. He didn't rise from the dead. He's dead. He's buried in a grave. And his followers are a threat. They're a threat to society. They're a threat to the Jewish faith. And their beliefs are dangerous and harmful. And so he has made a, a decision that his mission in life now is to stop this thing called the way I imagine him, him kind of being like um, Inspector Javert, right? You see, Le Mis? He, he is. That is his mission. Is life this righteousness he possesses? He is going to set things right, and he's going to scour the countryside, finding everyone, everyone that has joined up with this movement called the Way. So that's Saul. That's the man we encounter here. But then something happens. Something remarkable happens. Look at this. It says, Now as Saul went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul has this personal encounter with Jesus, with the risen and ascended Jesus on this road to Damascus. And the risen Jesus poses this piercing question. He says, why are you, Saul, persecuting me, Jesus? Why are you persecuting? Why are you so against me, he says, And in that moment, Saul's world is turned upside down, right? Everything Saul thought he knew, everything he was committed to, every part of him gets all jumbled up. Because what he's encountered is is the God he thought that he was honoring, only to discover that he's actually against that very God. His deepest convictions, in other words, everything that he thought about the world as far as good and evil, he had backwards backwards is what he discovers in this moment. And so he's convicted and he's humbled and he falls to the ground. And then it says this, it says, Saul then rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, later, as it goes on, uh, we can see that Saul, after several days, after three days, actually, he, he has something like these scales that, that fall off his eyes after uh, he's prayed for, and he regains his sight, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's baptized. This proud, passionate, powerful young leader has been brought to his knees, and the man who thought he could see Everything so clearly in his life is left blind. This man who set out to take Jesus' followers captive has now been taken captive by Jesus himself. He is a humble man, he is a broken man. He has been undone. In a word, he's been changed. He's been changed through a very personal and powerful encounter. With the person of Jesus. and So while Saul's experience, his encounter with Jesus is unique, I would say it is not uncommon. The reality is that people are still encountering Jesus today. A real change, a deep change, a life change is still possible today through the same thing. A personal encounter with the risen and ascended Jesus. And so what I want to do just for the next few minutes is I want to highlight, maybe you could say three reasons. Three reasons that a personal encounter with Jesus actually has the power to change us. Three reasons a personal encounter with Jesus actually can change us. And the first is this, that through Jesus we discover that there is a loving God who relentlessly pursues us. There is a loving God who relentlessly pursues us. You know, it's tempting to look at this moment in Acts chapter 9 and think that Saul's conversion was just about this moment. That it just happened out of the blue. And in truth, from Paul's perspective, that very well may be the case. But the truth is that God had been pursuing Saul for a long time long time. And we know that because of what Saul, later become Paul, writes in Ephesians 1. He said this. He said, God himself chose us in him before the foundations of the earth. Let me just say that again. God chose us in him before the foundations of the earth. In other words, Saul Paul became convinced in his life because of this experience and everything he came to know about Jesus. He became convinced that God had been pursuing him from the very beginning of time. Not just the beginning of his life, from the beginning of time. God had been pursuing him. That God loved him that much. And the truth is God loves each of us that much. There is a God who has been pursuing you and me From the beginning of time, since before the foundations of the earth. That he is on this mission. God is on this mission. This loving, inexhaustible, endless pursuit of every single one of us. So there's this paradox, I think, at work here. And this is it. It's that even when people appear far from God, God is actually right there with them. Even when people in their life, everything you would look at from the outside, look they're far away from God. They're actually very near to him. See, God isn't far away because we feel like he's far away. He is always near to us. In fact, in my experience, those who are most hostile often to the idea of faith or to Jesus or to God, They're actually very near to the Lord. C.S. Lewis was um, a committed atheist. I don't know if you knew that. He wrote Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, this amazing um, man of faith from the 20th century. And he began his journey as an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all. And in describing his own conversion, he said this. He said, I became aware... I was holding something at bay, or that I was shutting something out, or that I was wearing some kind of stiff clothing or even a suit of armor. And then, he says, I felt myself being there and then in my moment of conversion, given a freedom, a choice that I could open the door or I could leave it shut. See, what I hear in that is that Lewis was dead set against God until the moment he wasn't. No, no, no to God until he said yes. Because, you see, God was there. God was right there with him, relentlessly pursuing him. And what I want to say is wherever you are today, whatever your experience of God is in this moment, know that he is not far. He is not far from you. He is lovingly and relentlessly pursuing you. And you may be here today and you want nothing to do with God. You may be here and you think you're unforgivable or unlovable. God is so far away from you right now. I just want to encourage you. He is here. He is right here. He's right here and he always will be. So as we encounter Jesus, we encounter the God who loves us and relentlessly pursues us. The second thing is that when we encounter Jesus, he reveals our blindness. When we encounter Jesus, he reveals our blindness. Verse 8, it's really profound, I think. It says, although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Saul knew a lot about God. He knew a lot about God, and yet he was spiritually blind to Jesus. He thought he knew who Jesus was, but he didn't. He thought he knew what it meant to do good, and in fact, he was actually putting himself against God. And that ought to give us pause, right, as we read those words. that His eyes were open, and yet he saw nothing. Because the same can be true of us. We can be passionate. We can be committed. We can be well-meaning people and totally wrong. Blind to the consequences of our actions and our choices. And our limited perspective. We can have blind spots the size of Texas and not know it. Blindness. We, we can be blind to the fact that we are plagued by our own fears and our doubts, blind to the depth, the depth of our own selfishness and pride. See, we can have our eyes open and yet see nothing. And what happens when we encounter Jesus is we come face to face with this reality in our lives. To encounter Jesus is to encounter someone who can really see who can truly see, who can see us, right? Who can see who we really are, who we really are. Who can speak truth to us about our condition, not the us we project out to the world, the healthy, confident, strong, resilient us, but the fearful us, the us with doubts, the us with insecurities, the us that's broken, tired, proud. See, when Saul encountered Jesus, he had to acknowledge that he was wrong. He was wrong about life and about himself. And most of all, wrong about Jesus. Encounter Jesus, you know, the truth is, it, it's kind of terrifying. I get the sense of just a, of a, a level of terror in this moment. It can be really terrifying. You know, I imagine it would be like stepping out of the shadows on the side of the stage into a high-beam spotlight only to realize you're naked. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's what happens when we come into the presence of one who sees us. We feel exposed. We feel exposed. We can't pretend. We can't fake it. We can't hide. God sees us. God alone sees us for who we are. And maybe that thought terrifies you. But I think if we want to be changed, if we want to experience deep change, the change that we long for, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. And Jesus can help us do that. I know it's scary, but Jesus can help us. If we admit our blindness, we're ready for what's next. And this is the next thing that happens when we encounter Jesus. Jesus opens our eyes. Jesus opens our eyes. Three days after Jesus appeared to Saul, we're told that scales, something like scales, fall from his eyes and he could see again. And immediately he was baptized. And it's this powerful picture that we're about to do again here of what's happened in his heart. Saul, who had been blind, can now see. Saul, the enemy of God, now experiences the unmerited love of God. Saul who had been breathing murderous threats is now filled with the breath of God. The Holy Spirit fills him. And in the waters of da- baptism Saul is forgiven and raised into this new life, this new identity. He became a new person. In fact, he started going by his Greek name. From this point forward he's known as Paul in the scriptures. And I think it was just a reminder for him and for others of just how true this was, that he was a totally different person. He'd been changed. So if you read the New Testament, what you find is this man Saul is gone. This man Paul, this man Paul becomes one of the most effective and compelling witnesses for Jesus in human history. A man that you would have looked at and said, that guy will never Change became a man deeply humbled and transformed by Jesus. And so the great truth, the great hope of what we see in Acts 9 is that Jesus can change people. Jesus can change me. Jesus can change you. And many of you in this room would stand and you could, you could testify to that truth. God has changed you. He's changed you at the deepest part of who you are, and he is changing you in your life. Many of you could stand and you could talk about people in your life that you've seen transformed. A spouse, your dad or your mom, as they came to faith in Jesus, they're different people. A sibling, a friend, a neighbor, people who have been changed, just like Paul. Transformed. And that's what makes what we're about to do right here so powerful. Because baptism is a powerful picture of all of this the fact that Jesus actually can change people. Because you may be here today and you may have lost hope that you could ever actually change. Maybe it's a deep wound you think will never heal, maybe it's an addiction that's just got its tentacles in every single part. Of your life, and you don't feel like you can escape. And I just want to say, whatever it is today, Jesus can change you. He can change you. He can do that in your life, and it's what he longs to do. And baptism is a picture of that. Baptism is a picture of God's unmerited love for us, this incredible grace. Because it's not about trying harder, it's not about doing better, it's about the fact that God loves you, that he's relentlessly pursuing you, that he sees you exactly for who you are, and that he invites you to have your eyes opened to who he is and his love for you and the life that he offers in the name of Jesus. And so I just want to, as we're closing up, I want to invite you just to maybe just bow your heads, and just close your eyes. If you're not comfortable doing that, you can just stare, stare at the floor. I just want to take a moment and pray that wherever you are with God this morning, that you would, you would maybe take the bold step of asking him to give you a personal encounter with Jesus. And Lord, I, I just pray that you, you would work in our hearts. Lord, that you would be at work in, in the person's heart this morning. Holy Spirit, you would work in the person's heart this morning who feels like, it's just too hard. They're too far gone. That God just can't, can't break through. And that they would, they would hear you say that you're near them and that you love them. I pray, Lord, for the person who feels like they're just too bad, the things they've done, if, if, if people knew The thoughts that they really had. But God knows that, and He loves you. He draws near to you, He doesn't recoil, He draws near to you because He loves you. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning just to know the joy of being relentlessly pursued by the God who made us and sees us with all, all the warts, all the brokenness, all the sin, and chooses to love us. Lord, we pray that we would know today that indeed, through Jesus, we can be changed. Pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.